0: Alright, what is up, all you good, beautiful, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. It's your host, Bryce Paul, and we have a special announcement. Uh, If you guys have been tuning in, you will know that we have the Crypto 2020 Summit that we are hosting. Uh, This is going to be January 29th to January 31st. We got over 60 of the biggest, baddest speakers in crypto presenting on their projections for 2020, what their projects are going to be doing, all sorts of fun forecasts. It's going to really be amazing. And the best part of it all is it's free and it is online. So go ahead to www.crypto2020summit.com and register for your free ticket and we hope to see you there. All right, what is up good citizens of Crypt Nation? It is your hosts Bryce and Aaron Pizzamind Malone, uh my notorious my notorious compadre. Aaron, how are you doing? You were just in you were just in Dallas recently. How was
1: that, man? Dallas was great. I went to my very first rodeo and I was a little <laughs> nervous because I saw, you know, the animals were tussling around, but they assured me everyone was only playing and <laughs> things were fine. So after that, I had a pretty good time. That's awesome. And yeah. Then, it, uh, you're literally your first rodeo. It was. And, and then, you know what's uh, not your first rodeo? What's that? Is,
0: <laughs> is hey, you know, crypto podcasting.
1: I've done a couple of them from time to time, so I'm excited to be back for one more episode. <laughs> and one thing we've been talking about recently is interoperability. So it makes perfect sense that on the show today, we have David Gold from DAPIX to talk to us about what they're building over there.
0: Yeah. So DAPIX uh, is creating the FEO protocol um, and this we're going to get into. So Dave, without further ado, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. So, yeah, so Dapix is the venture-backed uh, company, and they're creating this open-source inter-wallet operability protocol um, to make things super, super seamless and to kind of give, um, you know, you, uh, a user experience. An actual, you know, f- for the first time, we're going to get a real user experience uh, for wallets. So enough about us and all of our talking. We're going to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, before we get into Theo... Um, That's a really little humor. <laughs> Before we get into all that, uh, the interesting stuff and the crazy stuff, uh, I kind of want to know at a high level, like why did you choose uh, to come into the crypto space and, and what is it about crypto that you find attractive and exciting?
2: Yeah. So uh, I, uh, prior to to jumping in with both feet and running DAPIX to build the FIO protocol, um, I was a partner in a venture capital fund for over 11 years And I led uh, our blockchain investments the last several years, and that was what sent me down the crypto rabbit hole. Um, And I quickly became very excited around the potential of it. I'm a former dot-com entrepreneur, and for the first time, I felt similar to how I did in that era, Um, both the good and the bad. The good being, wow, this is game-changing. And what is it that's game-changing about blockchain? Changing about it is it revolutionizes trust right? That's the the part that often gets forgotten and glossed over with all the details it revolutionizes trust. It allows two parties that may not even know to know each other to engage in a a transaction that they can trust without having any third party intermediary in the middle of that that can be scientifically, mathematically proven to be trustful. And that is game changing. That's never been possible before. But at the same time, it was uh, really hard to use. My first Mosaic web browser on dial-up in 1993 was both amazing and it effing sucked. (laughs) Um, And blockchain is very much like that today. It's like, wow, this is amazing, but it really sucks. And so that was the genesis of the ideas behind the, the FIO protocol to say, how can we actually make blockchain easy to use?
0: Awesome. And what would you say is like the reason that blockchain is not easy to use right now?
2: Well, uh, ask anybody who's actually sent or received, uh, you know, or coins in a decentralized way, how they feel when they do that. And uh, what you find is that, uh, you know, they, we did our own usability study on this, which we'll be updating again this year. And, uh, you know, a very high percentage of them, more than half, Uh, are not confident the transactions will go as planned, a a significant percentage have had failed and lost transactions, 20 plus percent, you know, an error actually can cause you to lose funds. I mean, the concept of dealing with incoherent public keys that people don't even understand, the concept of there's nobody to call if things don't go right, these are things that are very challenging for the everyday user. It is, you talk about keys and people don't understand any of that. you know, to try to sit down with your mom or your dad and uh, and take them through sending and receiving tokens or coins. And I would suspect most people are listening to this. If they did that, their moms and dads would be like, "And why should I use this?
0: <laughs>
2: are you crazy?" Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's risky. It's complicated. It's uh, um, error prone, and uh, there's all kinds of problems with with moving decentralized value today.
0: I agree. Yeah. It, it never seems like it's a straightforward thing and it could uh, simply just a copy paste error uh, and you could lose all your money, uh, which is not a, a good protocol. And so I, I kind of like to think of FEO. Well, first, why don't you tell us what FEO is and how that solution is coming together to solve this particular issue?
2: Yeah. So uh, the FIO protocol, FIO stands for the Foundation for Interwallet Operability. The foundation is a, a nonprofit consortia of wallets, exchanges, crypto payment processors. It's a separate entity uh, from DAPEX. DAPIX actually is venture-backed, as we mentioned earlier, by Binance Labs, uh, NGC, Lunex, Blockwall Capital, Access Venture Partners, Dundee Venture Capital. Uh, um, and Some heavy hitters.
0: Yeah, heavy hitters uh,
2: to build the first version of the FIO protocol, which will be given to the foundation which will spin up Mainnet in Q1 of next year. So the FIO protocol is its own blockchain. It's a decentralized service layer. It sits next to all the other blockchains in the world. And what its purpose is, is to handle workflow confirmations and data about the sending of value on other blockchains, but it does not send that value. And it handles that in a complete, uh, secure, decentralized, and uh, private manner Uh, that enables a dramatically different user experience that is identical across all tokens or coins. Um, So the goal of Theo from a results standpoint is to deliver the kind of results for blockchain that a protocol called the Hypertext Transport Protocol did for the internet. Internet was around for over a decade before most people ever heard of it. And what changed that and caused usage to explode was a usability protocol, HTTP. That's what made the internet easy to use. And underneath, a whole bunch of protocols that most people don't even know exist. So, the goal of FIO is to provide a homogeneous user layer. So, what does that mean specifically? And may not launch Q1 of next year when we go live. It means the ability to send uh, uh, crypto using a human readable FIO address and never having to see or even know. What a public address is or even know that a public address exists in the same way that a lot of people don't know that internet protocol IP addresses exist on the web because they never have to deal with them. The ability to send a request for payment, a concept that largely doesn't exist in blockchain, everything is send. The whole blockchain process largely starts at send, yet in the world of the transactions of value, they typically start with a request an order card, an invoice, a bill, a check, those are all requests for payments. That concept doesn't exist in in the blockchain layer today. So the ability to send FIO requests, which are a decentralized request for payment from any wallet to any other wallet. And the third thing is something I just alluded to, which is data, data, which is metadata, information. What the heck is this transaction for? What did I, I sent this Bitcoin or this ethos Litecoin on this date to this address, what the heck was it for? Well, Theo, you'd know the human readable address, who you sent it to, and you'd see what it was for. That might be a note from your roommate saying, hey, this is for your share of rent. It might be a full order card from overstock.com showing up in your wallet as you check out saying, here's the payment request for your order card. Please send this amount of USDC or USDT or whatever token or coin it is. And here's your order card that you can see in your wallets. So you see exactly what you're paying for. That's what FIO will ena- enable at Mainnet um, in Q1 of next year.
1: That's amazing. Can you share some of the partners that have already agreed to participate in this consortium?
2: Yeah, so we have uh, 27 and growing uh, industry uh, FIO members. These are wallets, exchanges, crypto payment processors. They include companies like Binance's Trust Wallet, Edge Wallet, Coinomi Wallet. My Crypto, Bitcoin.com, uh, Guarda Wallet, Nexo, uh, ChangeNow, and the list goes goes on. Um, so quite a few wallets that um, have uh, jumped in to back this protocol and uh, have the intent to integrate the protocol into their products. Theo gets integrated into the crypto endpoints, the wallets, the exchanges, the crypto payment processes. They grab the open source software development kits and, and leverage the open source APIs of the Theo blockchain, to enable the kind of functionality I described to you, uh, part of the magic of FIO is it does not integrate with other blockchains. Technically speaking, they don't even the other blockchains don't even know FIO exists, and that's why FIO works immediately out of the box with every single blockchain that exists in the world today or in the future in an identical way.
0: Oh, I was going to say, is there any other uh, like comparable protocol uh, to
2: FIO? So, there's no comparable protocol that, that's truly creating a service layer to handle all the things that we're talking about here confirmations, data, uh, the three things that we're launching with, and then future capabilities that are on the roadmap, like recurring payment capability, fee splitting capability, multi signature routing for businesses, a way to have decentralized secure routing of multi signature requests, all these sorts of things. That's what a whole service layer enables. There have been some other attempts at one little piece of what FIO does, which is FIO addresses, human readable addresses. And that's the most visible and known, so people quickly jump to that. Um, so there are, have been some other attempts to that. The problem with the other attempts, number one, is that um, human-readable wallet addresses are necessary but by no means sufficient to solve this problem. So they aren't going to be able to solve the problem because they really stop there and the nature of how they're constructed, they can't really do the other things that FEO uh, will do at Mainnet and beyond. Second, um, there are a number of challenges around the other constructs of wallet addresses. Some of them have effects which create huge hacking risks. Uh, all, many of them that aren't centralized have privacy issues because they publicly expose the mapping of the human-readable address to the public addresses. And if you start doing that across multiple blockchains, somebody who has your human-readable wallet address now knows all of your public addresses, which means they can find out how much, not just Bitcoin that you sent up, but how much ETH you have and Litecoin and everything else. And that's a huge privacy issue.
0: And then they'll be able to see everything that you're purchasing as well.
2: Well, they may or may not be able to know what you actually Purchase depends depends on what they record on those blockchains because those those other addresses don't record any metadata like FIO does. Um, FIO's metadata, interestingly, because you mentioned the issue of well, gee, FIO data—I don't want people to know that I just sent my roommate payment for rent. Good news is nobody will know that.
0: It's all hashed. Very
2: cool. Very, it's a very cool te- encryption technology. While FIO creates an immutable le- ledger of things like FIO data associated with transactions it's all encrypted and those things can only be decrypted by the counterparties in the transaction using their field private key Now they never even need to know they have a field private key but they do have one it's sitting in their wallet and that's what enables them to re to decrypt that data if they look back at that transaction they can see oh yeah this was when I gave my roommate rent. So if you're my roommate and you say, dude, you didn't pay me for rent. I say, yeah, I did. Look, it's right here in my wallet. Here's the transaction. You can see it on the field block, know, the data on field data on the field blockchain. And you and I can both read that, but nobody else in the world can. Um, so that's what it is. So the other, the other attempts at wallet names have huge privacy issues. They have fee issues. Every time you update your public address with them, you have to pay a fee on that blockchain to update your public address. Who wants yet another fee every time you update your public address? it becomes mind numbing and and they're very hard to use.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen other things like unstoppable domains is one of the things you mentioned earlier. Yeah. They provide human readable addresses, but there's all kinds of rules around it. It is centralized. Um, I kind of laughed when I first heard about it and I said, Oh yeah, that's going to be, you know, a company that's not going to see 2021 for sure. Uh, it <laughs> definitely uh, takes it beyond that. There's some other companies that are trying to do the human readable addresses like David mentioned. But this is really uh, addressing more than just the complications of sending things, but really adding these more features and a service layer, like you mentioned. It's really like this aha moment as I listen to it. I'm like, oh, of course, like, how did we ever even think we could build a new world without this? So fantastic job. How long have you guys been working on this? And who kind of dreamed this up and put it all together?
2: So uh, we've officially been at it for a year and a half now. Uh, We were very quiet for the first nine to 12 months of our existence. We didn't see any benefit to being out there and being loud while we were in the trenches uh, building out the the core of the technology. We really uh, became very vocal about things in the last six months uh, about what we're doing and uh, released all of our white paper out there. The only thing we haven't fully released is the blockchain software code itself. That will be released and open sourced uh, very close to mainnet launch in Q1. Uh, The genesis for this idea came out of my personal experiences, and I I started looking at at the attempts to solve this, which were all the wallet name uh, efforts, and and I quickly realized, A, none of these wallet name efforts are going to work because they all have one or more of the flaws we've talked about and other, other flaws. Number two is that's not enough to solve this problem. There's a bigger problem here, and you need to have a decentralized service layer that handles all these steps that lead up to transactions and if each blockchain tries to create that on their own it'll end up being unique to each blockchain and and users will have this experience where the workflow for one blockchain will be different than another and that kind of experience would be like having to use different web browsers for different websites How um. numbing would that be right that's not going to work so you need to have a usability layer that's homogeneous that works so that was that that's Started thinking about how do you solve this? And that was the genesis of the original ideas behind the FIO protocol, which which most certainly have evolved and grown from from those early days.
1: Do you have a friend who's interested in getting into cryptocurrency but they don't know where to start building their portfolio? Well, we have the answer. It's called CopyTrader by eToro. With CopyTrader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders, just like myself or Bryce or Kevin, at the exact price point and in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply just sign up and copy our trades. Any profits that we make, you do too. Proportional to your investment, of course. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees all in one easy-to-use app. Copy the smart money with eToro. Join now at eToro.com slash crypto101. Thank you. Can you real quick uh, repeat what those, um,
0: like you said, fee splitting and metadata and human readable, can you repeat what all those solutions are packaged into the FIO protocol? So
2: there will be three core solutions at Mainnet launch. FIO addresses, FIO requests, the ability to send decentralized oh, right. requests, and FIO data, the ability to attach data with those transactions uh, in a private way. Those will be the three things that will be live at Mainnet and Q1. After that, the roadmap includes a variety of things. Uh, Increased privacy levels, even beyond what it will launch with, will be one of the first things that will get launched. Uh, After that, things like recurring payment capabilities, the ability to have fee splitting, the ability to have decentralized, secure multi-signature routing. Some of your listeners might be familiar with multi-signature, which is a security uh, benefit that a number of blockchains provide, where you can say, hey, more than one key has to sign for this transaction to occur. When you think about businesses, that's going to be absolutely critical. No business is going to allow or want any one person in the organization to to sign as an individual for a transaction uh, on a blockchain. They're going to want to have multi signatures. Today, the way you would get those signed is you you email or text each of your counterparts and say, "Hey, we need to sign this transaction. here's the Here's the public address. Here's what we need to sign. Meanwhile, those those communications are unsecure, they can be hacked, they can be intercepted, there's all kinds of risks around it. You can't you can't scale that. Yeah. Uh, so field requests will be scalable into field multi-sig requests, which are completely decentralized, secure, and private. So those are just some of the things that will be possible in the future.
0: That's that's awesome. That I'm that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, and, and for those of you guys who haven't heard of multi-sig. One of the analogies I kind of like to use is like the governmental branches, right? In order for something to become a law, you need to have, you know, maybe two of the three branches uh, sign off on it, or stuff like that. So it just allows for an extra level of checks and balances.
2: Well, or even at even at the business level, the simple concept that in a lot of businesses, when a payment is made. Um, it requires somebody to process the payment and somebody to approve the payment. That's multi-signature. Two people basically acknowledge that that payment out of the bank, the fiat bank should occur. So that is multi-sig, right? You're having more than one person acknowledge, yes, this should happen.
1: Right. And an example of the problems that businesses today in crypto are running into uh, the IDAX exchange, you know, they just released a statement saying their CEO ran off with a cold wallet. If they had been using some kind of multi-stake solution, it wouldn't really matter because the CTO and the CIO and the CFO could still you know, conduct business as usual, even if he was missing. Uh, they could also block any type of transactions if he was trying. This is the story of the one. As a
2: maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.
1: And to do an exit scam or something like that too. So this is really, really like critical part of uh, the infrastructure going forward. I
0: I definitely did not hear that uh, that IDAX story. So I'm going to have to figure that one out. That's just, that's shitty. I'm sorry if anybody has money on that.
1: Well, I mean, not many people were using IDAX to begin with, but uh, they released a, a statement on their website just a few days ago saying that all transactions and Withdrawals and deposits are frozen for the next two weeks while they try and figure this out because their CEO has gone missing.
0: And we saw this
1: earlier um, with, you know, Quadriga. What was yeah. it called? Quadriga. Yeah, Quadriga. Yeah, their, their CEO died and he was the only one who had access to everything. Yeah. So, and this is not just important for business, but from a personal standpoint. If I was to pass away, how's my family or my friends or my investing partners going to access my tokens? It'd be good to have a multi-sig situation where, or some kind of solution where, you know, if all my friends and family got together, they could unlock my wallet. So either if I was dead or just the biggest bastard in the world, you know, <laughs> there, there's some way to recover my wealth.
0: Absolutely. So, so David, you kind of hearkening back to, you were talking about the Mosaic browser and everybody knows about the quote unquote Netscape moment of the dot-com boom. Um, can you tell us what that what the "quote unquote" Netscape moment was, and have we already had that? Is Fio going to be that? What What would be uh, an analog in our in our space?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, in my mind, the Netscape moment was really the Mosaic moment. That's because Mosaic was really one of the first web browsers, and it became uh, it became Netscape, right? The you know, underneath it was Mozilla. Um, so, uh, you know, that moment was when that, that capability got released, the ability for people you know, to, to click on a button, open an application and see information that is sitting on a server somewhere else in the world it, with that much ease, right? To be able to see information that they can read because it was just text and hyperlinks initially, but they could see information just by opening an application and they could navigate around just by clicking. I want to know more about this. Click here. I want to know more about this. Click here. That was the Netscape moment. Was, oh my God! This is we can actually access this remote information. That remote information had been there right on a lot of servers at that point in 1993, um, but it wasn't easy to get at Gopher and Cute FTP and everything else, and just a little mind-numbing. Um, no, I do not. We've not had that moment in in blockchain at all. we I believe we're still in the era of of the early 90s and late 80s. In those areas, the internet existed. People were starting to become aware of it. They heard of email. People were used, starting to use centralized platforms like AOL and Prodigy and CompuServe and used to this idea of remote access of information and how cool that could be, and email was part of that. Some of those had email gateways, which did use the internet, right? But the web didn't exist yet. The World Wide Web didn't exist. HTTP didn't really exist yet. Netscape hadn't occurred yet. Uh, I think that's where we are today. Uh, and and yes, I do. Our goal is for Theo to be that Netscape moment, that over the next couple of years, that it is the Netscape moment, where all of a sudden people are like, whoa, okay, now it's easy for me to use this. Now I can move value in a way that's really easy and truly is better than moving around clunky fiat mm-hmm. because it, it is so easy to use, it's worry-free, it's risk-free. I get a payment request, I review it, make sure it's right, I confirm it in my wallet, I can see who it's from, what it's for, that it's the right amount and type of token. I just confirm it in my wallet. That's what FIO requests and FIO data. Will enable out of the box. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I we believe uh, is the future for blockchain.
0: That, that's a really amazing and kind of like a follow up question to this would be you know aside from inter wallet operability, what's something else that the crypto sphere is lacking that it really needs to get to that next level?
2: Well, I think the other thing that that sometimes uh, people at first glance confuse our project with that is needed. Uh, is interchain operability. And there are projects like Cosmos and Polkadot that are working on that. And those are tremendous projects because you don't want to have a whole bunch of islands of value on individual blockchains. And I'm a, I'm in the camp that we're not going to have one blockchain to rule them all. I also don't think we'll have 10,000 blockchains, but we're going to have quite a few blockchains. And and, and as time goes on, that number will will increase. And actually have valid, viable applications, and each of them will have different flavors and will be good at different things. Um, So you do need to have this ability for there to be cross-chain transactions. If you combine FIO with the ability to have cross-chain transactions, which is not what FIO is doing, you end up in a world where the usability layer, what FIO is providing, is really user-friendly, easy to use, and the same across all tokens or coins, and a layer underneath that where the protocols can now actually interact with each other. How powerful is that? Um, so you really get to a world where you truly don't need to have um, centralized solutions as you do today in the blockchain space. And that's what the potential is all about here, right? The potential of, of blockchain is not to have everybody sitting on centralized exchanges and centralized resources using it. That's kind of contrary to what the whole point is here. It's to enable the fast, efficient, decentralized exchange of value uh, in, a, in a trustless way where people can have confidence in their transactions and where it promotes access to that value and freedom and liberty around the access of value. That's the potential here.
1: So for someone out there who's listening, and this might be their first crypto podcast, and they're not sure what decentralized is or store value, and these are kind of abstract terms, would it be accurate to say that what you guys are building is kind of the Venmo of crypto, but it's better because you actually get to hold on to your own funds and not rely on a centralized third party?
2: So I would say it's only accurate in the sense that we're trying to create some of the capabilities that Venmo certainly delivers from a user experience standpoint today. Beyond that, it's very different because it is decentralized and because, um, you know, FIO is a protocol that other companies will integrate into their applications, whereas Venmo is all centralized. It's all their stuff. They don't enable others to enable Venmo capability inside of their product. So, you know, our partners sure. like Binomi and Edge and, and, and Shapeshift and, and, and Trustwall and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, they will enable FIO capability inside of their product. But from the standpoint of saying, yeah, from a UX standpoint, we, we then create UX that is actually, we think will be better than what things like Venmo can do. Yes. From that standpoint, it, it is correct.
1: Perfect. So to the average listener, who's not going to be integrating this stuff into their own product, but rather just using it, this is really exciting because everyone loves Venmo. It's easy to use. And, you know, there's so many times I think, man, if I could just use crypto, but I don't want to trust a, You know, anyone to hold my keys. This is what you're building at FIO could enable that in the future. A great user experience like Venmo. So that's awesome and something that we can all really feel excited about. 100%. Yes. It,
0: it, I'm also pretty curious about like, what was the process like to get all the wallets on board? Was that something that you were going out and doing, you know, as a business development exercise, reaching out to all these people, telling them Do, all this education or did, uh, yeah, yeah, what was that like?
2: Well, oh, certainly at the beginning, it was all about that because we had nothing but an idea. Um, And so we had to go out to wallets and exchanges and crypto payment processors and explain to them what we were trying to build. And fortunately, uh, there was a group of uh, visionaries that saw what we were doing, how powerful it was, and became our founding FIO members. The founding FIO members are are, uh, BRD, Shapeshift, MyCrypto, Edge, uh, and Coinomi. Uh, Those were our founding FIO members. Um, and then we continued with business development, but as we then got public and got out there, we also got inbound requests and we definitely have had FIO members join who, uh, reached out to us originally versus the other way around and more, you know, now it's sort of 50-50 where we're getting folks inbound. And we're also certainly there are, are, um, you know, companies that are not FIO members yet that we're in discussions with that we are, you know, going through a process to, to convince them that they really should jump on board and back this protocol. Which of those
0: wallets or or which wallet in general would you recommend uh, to like, for instance, the listeners
1: of this show?
2: Well, you're asking me a question I can't answer, right? That's like saying, <laughs> which is my favorite child? <laughs> well, just in the sense question. of like, which
1: one might be prepared first to check out? Maybe you not one better never than never another. Answer.
2: Yeah, never going to answer a question. I think all of our partners are great and it really is user preference on what they want. Um, but I, yeah, I can't. I can't recommend one, one over the other. That would, that would not, not, you know, they're, they really truly are all all great products, but yeah, I would say, you know, And
0: any of the, any of the 27, they're all, they're all fully vetted. And if you guys want to go to uh, the website, you could see all 27, right. And then download those and see what they all have different, uh, different colors and different flavors. Awesome. Um, yeah. And can you talk a little bit about um, the FEO token for the, for this whole protocol? What, what it, What's the utility here?
2: Yeah, so FIO token is a utility token for sure. Um, the On any blockchain, we we'll get a little technical here, but on any blockchain, doesn't matter what kind, anything that requires computing power from that blockchain needs to have a fee associated with it in tokens that that blockchain accepts. Why is that? Because if you don't, if you have any anything that demands computing power from the blockchain that doesn't cost something, that means a malicious person can take down the blockchain because they can just spam those free requests just to be a jerk, right? And so you can't have that. So every transaction on the FIO blockchain does require a fee. But most people, the vast, vast majority of individual end users, the only thing they'll ever do is register a FIO address, which has an annual uh, subscription fee associated with it. In some cases, some products will choose to pay that subscription fee for the user. In the same way that Gmail actually is paying for your use of Gmail, they don't charge you, right? But guess what? If you don't pay for it, what happens? In their case, you get ads. So the wallets might not do ads, but they might make money through you exchanging tokens. There's other ways that wallets can make money. So some wallets may say, hey, for our users or some of our users will pay for the FIO address. Other wallets will say, you know, you, you should pay for it yourself. And that's a few dollars a year. And that is paid in FIO tokens. Now, there will be ways, uh, very easy ways. Users will be able to choose to pay in other tokens, Bitcoin, ETH, et cetera. They don't have to pay in FIO tokens, uh, but when they do that, it's actually converted into FIO tokens so that the smart contract for their FIO address can be funded. Um, All those other transactions that occur during the year for that person are paid out of that FIO registration fee. So it's basically transactions uh, so that they don't have to worry about transactions during the year, which would be really cumbersome and not very user-friendly. The FIO token will have um, with businesses as as blockchain evolves and becomes more used, businesses will have to have a stash of FIO tokens on hand. Because if I want to send payment requests out, FIO requests out at checkout to my customers, I'm going to pay a fraction of a few pennies every time I do that in FIO tokens. And if I'm of any size of a, of a company, I'll have to buy FIO tokens to pay for those those fees associated with using that. It's just one example. If I want to do multi-signature requests, there'll be little micro charges for that. So businesses, we envision having stashes of FIO tokens, individual users, only if they're like a super ultra power user, would they ever have to go beyond their their registration fee for the FIO address in the year, which is literally a few few dollars a year is what those will cost in token. Yeah.
1: Before we wrap it up, there's a few questions more we want to ask about just uh, some general stuff that we like to ask everybody because everyone has their own unique perspective and uh, vision and life and it's always interesting to hear the different answers. So who's one person that you admire in the crypto space? You've been around for a while. Who's really stuck out to you as a real visionary and pioneer that inspires you to do what you do?
2: Well How can you not say Satoshi? <laughs> 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 right and now that question is whether that's a single person or not, but you're you're talking about somebody who obviously had the truly disruptive idea behind Bitcoin, which is the basis for all other blockchain efforts uh and and not only had that but chose not to take credit for it whoever that person or those people are uh, unless you know there's one person who's claiming that he's satoshi which we won't mention kind of like Voldemort. Um, we get people in our dms <laughs>
1: claiming they're satoshi when yeah, they're yeah. out of but, meds too
2: you know that person chose not to take credit that's pretty impressive how can you not admire that person or those people
0: and they they opted to not spend any of their their coins i mean it's just really amazing they could be billionaires
2: truly, it's it's truly amazing it really
0: and, is. and another another question we like to ask everybody is like aside from the project that you're working on right now and let's say aside from any of the wallets you're working with or anybody you're really affiliated with directly what's a company or a project that you think is really making a big impact
2: Uh, Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, Cosmos, Polkadot, I think they're making big impact. I think uh, cross-chain interoperability is really, really critical. Um, There are some more nascent projects that are out there, and, you know, readers who are interested in technical can Google and find out the projects, um, which are trying to come up with better solutions around key management. Today, we largely have two choices. You either trust a third party with your keys, or you hold them yourself. I'm in the camp of I don't think either of those will scale I think we need better solutions with key splitting and stuff like that and there are some innovative efforts that are early at trying to find better solutions where I don't have to trust a third party completely with my key and I also don't have to trust myself completely with my key because that's really scary for most people um, and, and I think those those two categories those are the other two big problems that need to be solved along with the usability layer that we're solving if you when those three things get solved, blockchain will, usage will explode. I truly, truly believe it. At that point, it will explode. The underlying infrastructure has been put in place and will be uh, more than advanced enough at that point that we'll start seeing really great adoption for actual use in commerce and, and utility.
0: Love it. And the last question is, you know, what's one word of advice you could give the listeners here at Crypto 101 if this is like the first time they've ever heard about blockchain? Maybe this is the first podcast they've listened to
2: on crypto. Um, the, I guess if it's the first thing they listened to on crypto, their pro- heads are probably spinning and they're probably saying, I don't get it. That would be my guess because that's usually the first reaction. So here's what I would tell them so that they can get it. Um, and this is really what it's all about. There are three types of trust. There is personal trust. You trust somebody because you know them in some way. You've dealt with them before. You're, they're your family. They're your friend. They're your business, somebody in business you've dealt with, and you just trust them personally. And second is institutional trust. You trust an institution like your fiat bank because they have a brand name and a reputation, and there are also laws that punish them if they violate rules, and so you trust that they're going to do the right thing and take care of, in this case, your money, uh, and most of the time they do, but occasionally, as we all know, we can look at all the examples of problems recently, they don't. Uh, and, and different banks, Wells Fargo and others are getting penalized, right, because they don't. Um, the third type of trust is mathematical and scientific trust. It's the, for, as an engineer, it's the best form of trust because it is absolutely guaranteed. If I give you a troy ounce of gold, you do not have to trust me. You can scientifically verify that I gave you a troy ounce of gold with certainty, right? The revolution of blockchain is the ability to create verifiable trust between two parties who do not even know each other without an institution to know of it. That's mind-blowing. They don't have to be physically present with each other in any way. They don't have to know each other. They don't have to have a trusted institution or a friend or family member involved. That is what this is all about. The details are about how that is enabled. And those who are listening for the first time who really care about how it's enabled can dig into how blockchains work to understand how that's enabled. But honestly, as usage explodes in blockchain, most people aren't going to give a crap how it's enabled in the same way that most people really don't care about how the Internet actually works. They just care that it works, right? They care that their web browser works. That's it. That their smartphone works. So that's, that's what this is all about.
0: It's truly a trust revolution, and David, thank you so much for spending the last uh, forty minutes with us here today on Crypto One Hundred and One. Uh, if the good citizens here would like to follow you guys, where could we direct them?
2: Yeah, uh, go to our go to the FIO website, FIOFIO All the information, our Twitter is there at Joint FIO, uh, and uh, all our white paper demo videos. There's links to our FIO address presale, which is going to be ending soon. If you want to reserve a FIO address and advance pay mainnet launch, you can go to, to the the links there for the FIO address presale as well. So yeah, full information, explainer videos, all the data is there and all our social media channels are there. But the Twitter is our main one that we use. We have Telegram as well. But uh, that's uh, at FEO.
0: Awesome. Well, I will see you guys soon. Aaron, I'll see you uh, when you're on your way home, I imagine, right? Yeah, I'll see you, there. I'll see you tomorrow. All righty, David, thank you so much. Thank and we're we'll, uh, we're excited to keep tabs on everything. Great to be here. Nation, just a friendly neighborhood reminder to go to www.crypto2020summit.com and register for your free conference pass to the online summit, Crypto 2020 Summit. We got 60 speakers who are giving their bold predictions for prices and bold predictions for uh, technological developments in this crazy crypto space. So if you want to be the first to know the big news and you want to make sure that you're in touch and in tune, go to Crypto2020summit.com right now and register for free.
2: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.